First events and stories are typically quite important. They set the tone, they help the reader anticipate what is to come, and they shape the reader's expectations. First events matter. Each of the four Gospels begins with some kind of introduction, an encounter with John the Baptist, always, and then some form of, of a calling to the first disciples. And then each gospel transition marks the move to Jesus' first public ministry event. In Mark, the first thing Jesus does is cast out an unclean spirit, announcing his intention to stand against all that would keep the children of God from abundant life. In Matthew, the first major event of Jesus' public ministry is his Sermon on the Mount, which we know as the Beatitudes. In Luke, Jesus first preaches, announcing his intention to heal and feed and release the captives and bring good news to the poor. First events in stories are quite important. First things matter. Here in the Gospel of John, the first thing Jesus does is go to a wedding. How different from the other three Gospels. No healing, no preaching, no teaching. Just a three-day wedding. Of course, Jesus doesn't only attend the wedding. He does save the celebration. He turns water into wine, his first miracle. It is a curious and unexpected first event. An even more unexpected first miracle. Why? Why begin here? What tone does this story set for Jesus' life? Perhaps the answer is found in the Gospel writer's prologue, where John writes, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. So not just grace, mind you, but grace upon grace. An abundance, a plethora of grace, in other words. And that's the reality in today's story. To run out of wine at a first century wedding would not only have been simply embarrassing, it would have been a disaster. Wine was associated with blessing, with joy, with goodness, with the harvest. To run out of wine would have, would have felt like a curse, like you'd run out of blessing for your life. And Jesus doesn't just offer enough wine to cover the remaining hours of the celebration, but he turns six huge basins of water into wine. He provides more wine, more blessing, than the guest could have possibly consumed. More than that, and as the steward acknowledges, it's the best wine they've ever had. So what's the takeaway from today's story? 
What's it asking of us? What's it showing us? Where's the story directing our lives? As my homiletics professor often said to, to me and my peers, so what? Jesus turned water into wine, so what? Jesus saved a wedding, so what? So what? For me, the so what hinges on Mary's statement, they have no wine. Which is a line that we hear every day of our lives. We have no wine. They have no money. I am afraid. She has no hope. They have no wine. He has no food. I have no strength. They have no wine. She has no options. There's no justice for them. They have no wine. Everything is not well. We are desperate. There is need here. They have no wine. I am alone. I am lost. They have no wine. She feels abandoned. Help me. They have no wine. Regardless of how you hear Mary's statement, they have no wine. We are surrounded by similar circumstances of scarcity and hopelessness every day. How we enter into those circumstances, our first actions, our first words, matter. They set the tone for our life. Now I suspect for many of us, like Jesus in today's story, we too may be reluctant to enter into circumstances not our own. Perhaps we don't have the time. Perhaps we feel helpless, uncertain, overwhelmed, or afraid. We may even feel apathetic. Not my problem. However, none of those feelings or thoughts are reflective of the God we worship. Nor justifiable excuses to not enter into the circumstances of those in need. Especially if we have, if you have, the capability to transform scarcity into abundance, hopelessness into hope. So what's the takeaway from today's story? What's the so what? The so what, the takeaway for me, I believe, is that like Jesus, thanks to his Jewish mother, we too can reshape the narrative. We too can enter into the circumstances of others' lives. We too can alleviate the burdens and offer grace where there is only scarcity. And now I realize today's story is anchored in the first of Jesus' miracles. And for many of us, miracles may feel a bit intimidating or consigned to that category of a magic trick. 
It's magic. Here's the thing about Jesus' miracles. They always show us possibility. They always show us how to enter into the circumstances of other people's lives. They always show us how to hope for a better world. Jesus' miracles always alleviate suffering and disappointment. And so that we are on the same page, so that I am crystal clear with you, if you are carrying the moniker of Christian, that's your job too. Alleviating suffering and disappointment, that's your job too. Non-negotiable. Of course, we may not be able to turn water into wine. But we can transform scarcity into abundance. We can call forth life where there is none. We can. You can. And so I wonder at this point in your life, what's the tone of your narrative? What are your first actions when you encounter need and scarcity and hopelessness? I pray to God it's not something along the lines of thoughts and prayers. What are your first actions? Does your life's narrative speak of abundance? Or does it speak of reluctance? Thanks be to God. Amen.